Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It is the penultimate episode of Talking Twins. <laughs> penultimate, for those of you who don't know, means second to last. And if you've hung with us this long, thank you. I'm not sure why you did it, but we appreciate you. Zolgad, Jake DePew, Declan Goff. Um, all right. I, I, I mean literally playing out or i guess in our case talking out the string here no question but the only thing i'm curious about is, is i am going to try to get out there on saturday they're going to retire morneau's number they play toronto which should be I, I mean at least it's a fun team to watch a good team uh but jake in your notes and i think you're right you want to go through 2022 because looking back does us no good right now we'll, we'll do that in our last episode and try to dissect exactly what the hell went wrong here uh but in looking ahead to 2022 where would you like to start well i think uh we'll stick with the depressing theme 2021 was depressing for the twins uh so let's start 2022 on a depressing note and talk about uh, a potential work stoppage uh i know that sucks to talk about nobody wants to hear about it uh, but I also think we have to be honest about the, the situation facing Major League Baseball right now and, and the very real possibility that at least the start of the season is going to be delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's start there. Um, I, I think it, looking at these two sides and, and how far apart they are uh, on things like service time manipulation, uh, the arbitration system and when players hit free agency, um, you know, the the competitive balance tax or the luxury tax, um, you know, there, there are issues there. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about forcing teams to spend a certain amount of money, like a hundred million dollar floor to prevent tanking. There's obviously rule changes. They're trying to speed up the game, splitting up revenue. So if you look at all these issues, right, there are lots and lots of issues. Um, it's hard for me to, and I really hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong about this take more than any other, but it's hard for me to see the season starting on time in 2022 with where these two sides are at. I mean, during a pandemic last year when there was literally no sports on and they had a chance to be the first sport back, 
they couldn't come to an agreement and get it together in early July. And they had to wait until the end of July. I think it was like July 23rd or 26th, something like that to to start. And so if they weren't able to do that in, you know, an emergency type of situation where they, everybody wanted to get back and there were no other sports playing, it's hard for me to see them coming to an agreement on a a new multi-year CBA when the two sides seem to really, really dislike each other. And and let me be just one last point. Let me be clear. I, I'm on the player side uh, on almost every one of these arguments. I, I really feel like the players have legitimate beefs, especially with things like service time manipulation, because there's no question that that happens. And it's happened in re- recent cases uh, with the twins, with Byron Buston and others. So, uh, but regardless, uh, it's just hard for me to see the season starting on time. And that's super disappointing. Hey, Dex, what happens to you if, cause, cause you love baseball and I, I know that you're clearly and not surprisingly disenchanted, by this Twins team, what happens to you if there is a, a lockout slash strike? So honestly, a great question. You don't get a point for that on the Mackey and Judge show, by the way. No, but um, I'm curious because you're <laughs> yeah, you're no. like the perfect age to say like, hey, they're not playing baseball. What do you think about this? I, I'm kind of conflicted because one hand, I, I do want a, my palate to be cleansed. Um, I know that after... First off, I still do love baseball playoffs, so I will be in on the MLB playoffs. Okay. It's the best teams... I still will enjoy that. I do love me some MLB playoffs. It's probably my second favorite playoffs. But once that's over with, once the World Series is done with, and, you know, free agent signings and so pick up, I'm sure I'll get some type of edge that typically would say, all right, you know what? Yeah, 2021 stunk. It left a really, really sour taste in my mouth. But you know what? Springtime rolls around. You get excited about that. I think it's always synopsis with springtime and baseball. Like you're, you've been freezing your arse off in Minnesota for the last six months, and you're still sometimes freezing on the first few series at April at Target Field. Uh, but if there's a work work stoppage, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't think I would be any more bummed or any more like reluctant to not look forward to this twin season because of what has happened in 2021. Um, I hope they come to an agreement. But the fact we're, to be honest, still talking about, is there going to be a universal DH? Is there not going to be a universal DH? It could be a 27-man. Well, actually, no. We want 26-man. Interleague play, let's uh, let's have the Brewers come, but it's on a Tuesday and Wednesday when no one can come. Like, there's so many dumb little semantics that baseball fights over. And Jake's point's good that, yes, I think it's logical that most fans and most just general not millionaires tend to agree with the players and take the players' side. But you know what? The, the the scale does tip a little bit back sometimes on the players to be like, well, what are, what what also can you do to help this game? And it's it's pretty frustrating to see, uh, even on a, like a mini rant, like watching the White Sox. Uh, there was a cool clip of that kid that was doing the Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if you guys saw that. They yes. brought him on the field. You got to meet Craig Kimbrell. You got to meet Tim Anderson. Like that's awesome. They they do a great job of embracing the fans that are all in. The issue is with baseball is not those awesome loyal fans and the good PR moves that those teams do. It's broadening it out to the to the broader audience that used to love baseball and it to be its national pastime. And now they are literally at a crisis mode. I never thought I would actually say, "Hey, when baseball started to get in trouble four or five years ago, better watch out." I was I was kind of in the camp like, "Oh, it's fine." Now, especially being a Twins fan in 2021, no, I do think baseball has some serious serious problems it's got to address. I think the biggest problem too is if there is a lockout to start the season and the CBA just for a point of reference is up December 1st. So like they've had some talks, uh, they're miles apart because Jake, the the problem with, with, uh, with a floor 
is that implies a salary cap. So like yeah. if you're forcing teams to ha- have a floor next time around, it's, and you know what, we need a ceiling too. And the players are not going near that. So, but I think my biggest concern is this, and I think it's legit. If there's a lockout to start the season, I don't think people for the most part, besides loyalists are going to care. So like ordinarily, if you don't start a sport, it's like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? This is terrible. You're, you're hurting the sport. I fear that we're past that point, not with people like us, but I fear that we're past that point with the general population who's like, well, yeah, you know, we got a ball game to have some beers and that's fun, but we'll just go to this bar or that bar. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I have such fear on both, and this is both sides, that they don't appreciate where the sport is going and where it's gone and where it needs to go. And I don't know if it needs to be saved is the right term, but I could tell you this, it's certainly not comfortable. It's certainly not, if, if the National Football League went out tomorrow, there would be a huge, huge cry, right? There'd be a huge, where the hell is football? What's going on? Get these bozos back at the table. Uh, people would care. There'd be a lot of passion. <sighs> Baseball, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be passion in some markets. And I do think the true fans would still be passionate. But I don't think there would be this enormous cry across the country of baseball's not starting. I I think there, there'd be a large cry of, oh, okay, it's not starting. But boy, have you seen the NBA playoffs? They're coming up. Um, so I really do, like Dex, I guess, I really do fear for this sport. Because uh, I'm the guy who a long t- time ago said newspapers aren't going away. The, the old school newspaper is going to be, what are you talking about? Internet only? Come on. Newspapers are going to be fine. Um, I was wrong then. And and I fear that if I just sit, sit here and say baseball is fine, it's going to be fine. I fear I'm wrong now. Yeah. I mean, not to, to just applaud each other on this podcast, but I think you guys both said it really well. And like, if you, you know, this is not 1994, the last time there was a work stoppage and they canceled right. the World Series and all that. Like, there's not a lot of people that are going to care. Like people like us, like I, I would be like extremely depressed, but I am in the minority. We're in the minority in terms of our passion for baseball. And when you talk to young people in particular about baseball, like they, they might go to a game to, like you said, have some beers, have a good time. Don't really care who wins. They're not going to spend one second being upset or thinking about the fact that there's no baseball, you know, I mean, I, I just, pe- people move on. There are a lot, there are a lot of other entertainment options that weren't around in 1994, you know? And, and I hope to your point, Jed, I hope people that baseball appreciates that and appreciates where they are uh, in kind of in American culture, you know, cause they are not anywhere close to, to, to where they were in 94 or certainly in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Like, uh, Football and basketball has surpassed MLB by a pretty wide margin, in my view. And they need to recognize that and realize that the only way to get fans back is to be on the field and 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 be playing and speed up the game and do a lot of these things that, that baseball is talking about. But they cannot afford uh, to start late. And if they cancel the entire season, I would legitimately be worried about whether MLB would come back in anything close to, to what we're used to seeing it. Like, I think it would become basically a fringe sport or something close to that a niche sport for people like us and and not and you know uh, that it would just totally lose uh, the american public if an entire season was canceled and unfortunately that option is on the table i really think it's a realistic possibility that we don't play at all next year you agree dex dex we can't hear you dang it i think i've had some microphone issues on this computer uh i do think it gets done but i 
I just don't know how much getting into a bleeping match with one another also is going to help help this sport at all. Like, it, it's one thing to say, hey, could it turn into a niche sport? So, like, when I think niche sport, and there's going to be probably people that kill me for saying this, I think soccer, at least in America. I think soccer. I think soccer is a niche sport. And if you even want to dumb it down to something that I like, college hockey. College hockey is 100% more of a niche sport. Maybe that's the better example here. I like college hockey. I went to a Division I school, so I gravitate towards it, and I get excited about it. But guess what? That's another thing that has happened to this state. No one really cares about gopher hockey anymore. Like that, If anything, look at what's happened to gopher hockey, and we could, you could get into debate over the conference realignment and all that hoopla, but that has fallen off the map. When I was a kid, the gopher hockey ticket was the hottest ticket in town, and now they don't even sell. They don't even get 6,000 people to go to Mariucci Arena. So I, I don't even think baseball has the ability to be a cult sport. The Saints have, honestly, a more of a cult following, and it's more fun to go there because it's five bucks to get in, and you can just watch the hilarious antics and be around a beautiful ballpark. Like, I, I, you can't do that at Target. Target Field cannot afford $5 tickets every single night to have people roaming. Um, it's, it's, I wish I had, like, legitimate answers of, like, what can baseball do? Like, the Banana League with these hilarious, goofy absurd internet viral moments. That's fun. Baseball can't do that. Like, or Major League Baseball can't do that. So I wish there was an actual answer because I don't know what they're going to do from an identity crisis standpoint. Well, you can definitely, I think, speed up the sport by a lot. Like, I, I think there's a lot of things. There's a lot of standing around and BS that goes on during the course of a big league game that could be cleaned up quickly with clocks and expectations and enforcement. Um, I think the most important thing, though, is in the CBA negotiations, okay? I know that we are largely talking about dollars and cents here and revenue pies and splits, and, and it's it gets to be incredibly confusing. And I understand that that's going to be a big part of the discussion. But I don't. what I don't want to see used as leverage is the good of the game on the field. So I don't want, I don't want, well, we'll give you this much if you agree to this speed up. But no. You need to take them in separate in separate bins, right, Jake? And at least in my opinion, I understand that a salary cap is a non-starter. I sort of like it, but players aren't going to go for it. Um, I get that there might be a chance that the owners should give more revenue to the players, all of that. But what I don't want is I don't want exchanges for the good of the game because the game needs to be sped up. There need to be new rules put in, possibly um, illegal defenses and things like that. So what I don't want is I don't want, well, we'll give you the illegal defense if we get 20 million more or something like that. I want both sides to pull together to come up with ideas that are going to help the game on the field and they can fight the rest out financially. That's their business and they need to do it. But I also think as far as the product goes and what we watch, I mean, I've gotten to a point now where if it's not the twins, I cannot stay with a game. Like if it's the Mets and Phillies now, I can't do it anymore. I used to do it all all the time, but it takes forever. And I'm just not invested enough in those teams. Dex is right. Playoffs different. But this is where I really believe that there needs to be two discussions. And one discussion needs to focus on what can we do to make this product as as um, as good as possible for fans to watch and not have to commit three and a half hours a night to do so. Yeah, and, you know, as, as Phil likes to say, the NBA literally drew a line on the court. They, you know, they just said, we want to make the game more fun. We're going to make a three-point line, you know? And I'm sure that seemed ridiculous at the time, and now you can't imagine the game without it. I, I, I think, 
and this is a separate discussion we can have some other time, but like there are so many little tweaks that you could make that really would speed up the game pretty significantly, whether it's a pitch clock or like you said, illegal defenses might not speed up the game, but it would lead to more action. And I think a lot of those changes could be implemented fairly easily. And you're right. Both sides need to understand that. And and the players care a lot about the game. You know, the the players, the reason that I think a work stoppage is possible and, and the season is delayed or may or possibly even canceled is because, you know, the players care about the long-term future of the game, you know, cause they are making a big sacrifice if they choose not to play uh, for even half a season or a quarter season, that's a lot of money for them. And they, they don't have much time to earn that money. Mm-hmm. Um, so they care. And so they, you know, I, I, I think they probably do realize that that changes need to be made. Um, and I hope the owners realize that I I'm less confident that, that they do, I think. Uh, but both sides need to come together and say, we're, we are losing traction quickly with the American public. We need to speed up the game. We need to make it more exciting. And we need to be on the field in early April next year. Or they're in a lot of trouble. I, I just, I, I think they're in a lot of trouble if they don't start on time next year. I really do. I, I think it could go downhill pretty fast. And, and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and a home run chase, I don't think that is, you know, something like that's not going to come back to steroids. That's what we need. <laughs> Bring back, uh, be, be like, you know what? Do all the storage you possibly want, guys. We need to see a summer of 98 home run chase again. But yeah, there, there's ways to, there are definitely ways to increase the action. There are definitely ways to speed up the game. And the last thing that we need are the traditionalists to say, you know, uh, well, this is not going to work. That's not going to work. We need to, we need to get past all of these ideas and hey, it sort of hurts me, but all of, of these ideas that, well, I mean, if we make this rule change, it ruins baseball. That's not true. That's not true. What, what you need to do is adapt and adjust and come up with ideas that are going to make the game exciting again. And I'll tell you what, too, because God never intended in baseball for, for things like launch angle to be a thing. Like the, these are things that have been introduced and in some ways slowed the game down and definitely changed the approach. Right. So like the game has already been altered and changed. The question now is, is actually in some cases, how do you take the alterations and changes out a little bit and get what the original intention was, which is, I mean, I think from a starting point, box scores, time of game, 245. I'm cool with that. But I mean, I think that I but I think that's that's one of the most important things. You just can't ask people in the age of Twitter and and Instagram and my personal favorite, TikTok. You can't ask them to, hey, can you come spend three and a half hours at the ballpark? And oh, by the way, after the seventh, we don't sell beer now. And when we do sell beer, like Dex says, it's eleven fifty. Like all of those things, you got to rethink that. And and you got to come up with something that's going to work for families. For, for fans, because you are losing fans to basketball now. You already lost them to football. Like, that's the thing that's most important to me about when this sport comes back. What does it look like? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, um, you know, it's just, unfortunately, there's so much animosity between the two sides, again, as we saw last summer, that it's hard to see them coming together in any meaningful way to, to agree on this stuff. I mean, uh, eventually a deal w- w- will be made, I'm sure. But like whether they can actually put the best product out there and and and, you know, mutually agree that these changes need to be made, even if one side is sacrificing a little bit, the other side is sacrificing a little bit. There's just so much distrust uh, and animosity that it, it's just. I really hope I'm wrong, but I'm I, I'm pretty pessimistic about it. I uh, you know, I, I really am. I just I, 
it, it doesn't seem like based on what happened last year that that it's just that it's gonna that it's gonna go down the way we want it to go down and and um and that's really disappointing but let's hope we're wrong and that there is baseball next year because uh it, the sport needs to save itself and Absolutely. I, I will say to you there's just no matter how sour the twins are there and the, this is also just baseball marketing 101 but there is something about opening day. Like yeah. it, is the, it is the number one. I think it's better than NFL week one, at least for me. I, I, opening day is the most exciting time. It's a fresh start. Everyone's O and O. It's a new season. It's spring. It's turning the calendar around. Opening day is one of the most exciting days in all the sports, if not the one for me. And I know people love the NFL. So they just can't. You have to get out of norms. That's okay, but I just hope to God that they're able to figure out something to save the sport. Because yeah, I don't want it to go away, and I, the Twins have pissed me off enough. But I, I would love to turn the page, and I would love to forget about all this. Speaking of the Twins, Jake, for 2022, when we do start, um, Miguel Sano, what's your opinion now? Because it's been, you know, I mean, the first part of the year was obviously atrocious. Uh, since the Twins basically felt so far back, it didn't matter he's gotten hotter he's hit some home runs for sure um you know originally i thought he was gone for sure what do you think the future holds for him and what do you think falvey and levine decide to do with miguel Sano? i i think that there's little question that he's going to be on the roster to, to start the season next year he's owed 10 million, I believe 10 and a half million, somewhere around there. Uh, he, he has heated up. No question about it. He's, he's slugging or his OPS is, is closing in on 800. It's still not, I mean, you know, even if he's, even if he stays hot the last two weeks, it's still not going to be a good season, uh, considering the, the position that he plays defensively and his, you know, his ability over there is fine. He's a fine defensive first baseman, but he's not a goal glover. Uh, but I just don't think they're going to eat that salary. Um, so I, you know, I, I think he's the opening day first baseman whenever opening day is. And again, at the Texas point, let's hope it's, you know, right around April 1st because we all love baseball and that's what we want to see. Uh, but I think he's the opening day first baseman. I don't think he can afford to have three cold months to start next year though, you know, because I mean, he, this is going to be the last year of his deal. I know there's a team option, but, uh, I, I think they would cut him loose if he starts as cold as he did in 2021. Uh, and it's like, you know, it, it, I hate to say that that, you know, his numbers in the second half aren't as important as, as his numbers in the first half. But it's like, you know, he he got hot after the team was completely out of right. contention. They're not as important. Yeah, I mean, it's it, correct. I mean, you know, and, and, and he, he was he was a big factor. A lot of people were big factors. And Falvey and Levine are, you know, at the top of that list uh, with their offseason. But he was a big factor in the twins being as bad as they were and being forced to to sell. You know, at the deadline. So um, I think he needs to get off to a quicker start if he wants to keep his roster spot. But I don't think there's much question he's going to be on the opening day roster because nobody's going to want to trade for him and they're not going to want to eat that much money. See, I would be curious. So you you don't think a team would take him? You don't uh, think that you could potentially tra- tra- trade him for, yeah, I don't know, pitching prospect? I don't see that. No, I mean, I, I mean, other teams, other teams know what Miguel Sano is. You know, I mean, I, I think he's a guy w- with his defense. He needs to, he needs to have an OPS of eight fifty to nine hundred. I think to be a really tradable asset where you're going to get something significant back. Could they gift him to a team? Probably, you know, and, and get very little back, and maybe that that team eats most or, or, or all of his salary, and uh, you know, but like a legitimate pitching prospect. 
I just don't see that. I mean, he's a he's a first baseman who's who's has an OPS under 800. Like you can find that anywhere. You know, if he was on the open market, I don't right. think he'd get anywhere close to a, a one year, ten million dollar deal. So it's hard for me to see him uh, being traded unless he was part of a package. You know, if you package him with Buxton or Taylor Rogers, that then you know maybe that happens. But but I, I just don't see any team uh, taking taking that contract on. No. Do you guys disagree? I mean, what do you guys think? I think with the second half, there's a chance that you could find a taker because the power is seductive. And and I think that he is the type of guy who a team says, well, if we get if we get with Miguel Sano, we'll fix him, which is folly. It's not true. But I do think that that possibility exists. I don't know what the return would be. But um, here's my thought. You got Kepler. You got Buxton, who, by the way, I like a lot. So I'm 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 not grouping these guys in all failures, but you've got Buxton, Kepler, Sano, and Donaldson, and of those four, I think at least one's not back, if not if not two. So I guess I'm curious what they would do. I just don't think, in my opinion, um, Miguel's first half was so bad, and he's such a lightning rod, and I'm not sure he's worth the effort at this point in time, because I don't know that he's learned a lot. I mean, every time we think, right, Dex? Every time we think, oh, man, he is. The light's gone on with Miguel Sano. It's going to be great here. We always slide back into, well, but now it's an important time of the year, and here's, you know, Miguel at 164. So I could see them trying to find a team that's like, we'll fix him and be like, okay, you fix him. We'll take something for him. I think his value has risen from absolutely no chance to maybe. Right, I I think that's that's kind of what it was. I mean, it was in the absolute gutter in late May uh, when the season was was opening and beginning, but over the over this second half, I think it's it's morphed into maybe. And you're not looking for hey, we're gonna be hard pressed because we want X prospect or X amount prospect or player back in return. You're doing it for a salary dump and to move on. Um, yeah, I, I think there's too many other corner players and too many other. DH possibilities and just better options than Miguel Sano. And yes, he's going to hit 500 foot stat cast alarming home runs and Twitter alarmists will love to show that to you. I don't really care. I, I don't really understand how that's helped the twins over the last five years. It, they were supposed him and Buxton were handcuffed as the Messiah to the Messiahs to save this team. And to Buxton's even credit of not being hurt. They didn't deliver on that promise. Buxton's still a good player and I want him around. It's a warning of prospects never really living up to what you probably think they are, and that's a conversation with the Wild. That's a conversation with a lot of a lot of other teams where your prospects are never going to be the ceiling; they're going to be the R. You know, the the Bryce Harpers of the world was supposed to be the greatest baseball prospect of all time. Bryce Harper's a very good player. Is he going to go down as the greatest baseball player of all time? Probably not. I don't even know if you put him in the top fifty or top one hundred baseball players of all time if he retired today. So. I think it's just more of a warning sign, and it's time to also move on just from the Miguel Sano era. I would trade him this winter. And I will say say this. Max Kepler, you know, we've ripped Sano a lot more than we've ripped Kepler. And to be honest, Kepler probably deserved more heat, you know, than, than what we gave him this year. I mean, his numbers are worse than Sano, you know, significantly worse. Uh, and he's just, you know, he's a corner outfielder. He's a good defensive corner outfielder, but he's a corner outfielder. And those guys need to hit, you know, and, and he – you know, his average is 
barely over 200. He's, his OPS is, what, 710, 720. Uh, he's had a really disappointing year. And, you know, in 2019, I, I had really high hopes for him, as I did for Sano. Um, and he just hasn't, you know, he, 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 he just hasn't taken that next step. He's taken a step back. He makes a lot of weak contact. He rolls over a lot. He doesn't seem to adjust to the shift at all. Um, and it's just, it's disappointing. You know, I, he, he's on a team friendly deal, which probably makes it more likely that they keep him um, maybe relative to Sano. I, I think, I think they'll end up keeping both probably for 2022, but uh, you know, he, he's really had a bad year. I mean, and, and I, I would have thought, you know, that it, earlier this year, we were talking a lot about that they, that they would trade him to a team like the Rays. And I just, I don't know that he has much trade value left. Like he got hot for a while and we said, okay, he's turning it around. Just like the same conversations we have with Sano. Uh, but then he goes on these extended slumps and um, it, it just, you know, with Kirilov and Larnick coming up and uh, you know, Royce Lewis is going to be in the equation. I just, to me, he's probably like a fourth outfielder now. And I just, I don't know that he has a lot of trade value. Uh, it's just, it's too bad. It's too bad because he should be in his prime right now. And he, you know, after 2019, you would think that he would be absolutely tearing it up. And it's, it's really been the opposite. So Buxton, Sano, Kepler, JD, start with you, Jake DePew. Which one do you think is most likely not on the opening day roster in 2022? Unfortunately, I, I think they're going to move Buxton. And and I would hate that. Uh, as I've said on here, I'm the world's biggest Byron Buxton apologist. I love his game. I love how hard he plays. I, I get the injuries, obviously. I get how risky it is to commit to him. I, I just don't think they're going to. I, I think the offer that they made him was – not anywhere close to something that, that his camp would accept. Uh, they tried to move him, at least reportedly tried to move him at the trade deadline this year. And I think, you know, with the limited trade value of Sano and, and Kepler and, you know, Donaldson's had a very good year, actually. Uh, he really has had a good year, but his contract, you know, makes him, uh, you know, somebody with limited trade value. So I, I think they're going to move Buxton for a starter and, and he's, I would not be surprised at all if he takes off on another team because I think enough of his injuries have been fluky that I think he could consistently play 110 to 120 games a year uh, if he could just get some decent luck. And that's enough for him to be an all-star, if not an MVP candidate. But uh, but I, I really feel like they're going to move him. I, I think these are the last games you're going to see Byron Buxton in a Twins uniform. I hope I'm wrong, but that's, that's what I think. Buxton's the one who would get you the most back and makes, honestly un- and unfortunately – the most amount of sense to move if the twins are obviously moving towards a retooling or if you want to call it a, a rebuild. But I actually think it's Donaldson. I think Donaldson is the one of the most likely ones that's gone. Um, I, I, even though the dude's getting paid and that contract is a problem, he probably watched what has happened here and even in 2020 to the to no fault of his own and saying, I, I don't want to do anything with this. I want nothing to do with this. Trade me, trade me, trade me. Do everything in your power to get me the hell out of here. I want to win a championship. Yes, I am breaking down, but I'm still a productive player. I can help a team. I think his case makes the most sense to be moved. And the Twins should not be – and when they took the signing, I applauded it. It was – You could seriously make a case. It was the greatest contract, free agent contract signing in Minnesota Twins history. But it didn't work. This team's not going to be competing for a championship. That dude's a hard-nosed SOB. He's going to want nothing to do with this for 162 games. And he's going to do everything he can to say, get me the hell out of here. Okay, but do do you then, I guess my question, because I like your thought process, but my question with Donaldson then is, 
do you get another team that takes him to pick up the full contract of what's left? Because that's the one thing I think the teams might balk at. But if you're the Twins and you're going to keep some of his salary, you're going to want a lot for him um, as opposed to gifting him if a team took his entire salary. So I wonder what that's going to be like because that contract for, for a guy who's been for a guy who's played and God bless him for it this entire season with a bad hamstring. And it has been obvious he still hit well, but he can't run. I'm just I'd be curious to see what the market is. Uh, which is why I do believe that you could rehabilitate Sano's image enough to possibly trade him because the contract's big, but it's not ridiculous. And if a team thinks, oh, my God, this guy could come to our team and hit 50, 50 bombs, they, they might take him. Um, I'm not convinced, you guys, that they're going to trade Buxton. And here's why. Byron Buxton, one is, if what we hear behind the scenes is true, he would stay here. Like, he's not as ticked off as I, I thought because – you know, to Jake's point, they manipulated his service time like crazy. They screwed him pretty badly. Yeah. Um, but he'd be open to staying here. And Byron Buxton, if he's open to staying here and will sign, if you're the twins, I think you got to say to yourself, we'd be willing to clear other salaries to sign him and keep him and bank on the fact that it's he's finally going to get past this incredible run, and it is scary, of – injuries because damn when he can play he is he makes i think he makes as big of difference in the five tool thing as anyone in baseball so he's not the best player but when you think about what he can do the um the speed is ridiculous still the defense is so solid at the plate he seems to have really discovered himself now so and what would that message be if you dealt him like your fan base is already pissed off rightfully so folks i'm not blaming you um we're ticked off, but what's the message if if you're just like, well, we're going to trade him and hope we get something, you know, some some good arms because you would get a nice return. The other problem is I don't trust these guys completely to not screw that trade up. Like my whole thing now is if you trade Donaldson, for instance, right? Okay, you traded him, didn't work out. Hope you didn't screw up that trade. If you trade Buxton, that is a if you screwed this trade up and he starts to produce, you're all fired. So, you know, like, I think they'll dump Kepler. I'm just not impressed anymore. So, no, if they can trade him, that's fine. But the Buxton one, if they're wrong and don't make the right trade, you lose your job. So, Yeah, no question. And and even if they're right and they get a controllable starter, uh, it, it's probably – it's not going to be a superstar. It's going to be someone you're, uh, the casual fan hasn't probably heard of or doesn't know much about. Uh, so, from a PR perspective, even if they are – even if they do get a good return and that starter works out, it's going to be probably a couple of years at least before that's really, uh, you know, paying dividends for you. So, I mean, just, you know, it's hard to see, he's such a fan favorite. Um, it's hard to see anybody coming to target field next year without Byron Buston on the team. You know, I mean, just more uplifting I mean, twins talk. <laughs> oh, this has been, this is, I think this has been our most depressing episode, which is really saying something. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, it's hard for me when I envision, and it takes a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of fantasizing to do this. But if, when I envision the Twins making a run in the playoffs, By- Byron Buxton is a part of it. You know, like he's just such a superstar. He's such a dynamic player. He's the type of guy that can carry you for stretches. Uh, and I think if they ever do finally break this uh, losing streak and make a real run in October, I think 
I think Buxton's going to be a part of it. Um, and so if you move him, it's just you're, you're, you're digging a deeper hole in this rebuild. Uh, so I would, I would sign him to an extension. But I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. And I, I hope you guys are right and I'm wrong. All right, sir. We are uh, done. We will talk to you next week when we will wrap up the season. <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to be a festive show. I'm sure it's going to be a fun <laughs> show when we're talking about our favorite baseball team, one of our favorite sports. Uh, until then, though, let's um, let's enjoy Jose Barrios pitching for the Blue Jays on Friday or, or Saturday night back at Target Field. Bye, Jake. Bye, Dex. See you, guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.